episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sandborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sandborn's Boys today. So the NHL draft, which was supposed to be in Montreal this year, which we were very much looking forward to, has officially been postponed until further notice, which is disappointing but expected. And I think that it will most likely not take place at all in Montreal this year and more likely in conference call, as we've discussed over the past couple episodes. But the NHL has announced that it plans to return to Montreal for the draft at one point, either for the 2021 draft or 2022. So we will be getting a live draft in the near future, or at least that is the plan. Yeah, they'll probably have uh, all 31 GMs and owners and whatnot on on a Zoom call. And they'll probably just pick it out like that. Hopefully, they'll broadcast it. Uh, I'd love to watch that on TV. Like, really, start for any sort of sports content. And if it means I have to watch a Skype call for a few hours to see the draft, hey, I'm all for it. Uh, so, yeah, they, they announced that either next year or the year after, the, the draft will be coming to Montreal. And I think we both talked about the possibility of that happening last week. It's probably the right thing to happen. I mean, we we're both excited for it to come. And we'll probably end up going what it does end up showing up uh, in Montreal. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they would do like a Skype call, even though that sounds kind of funny. You would probably need like the the entire like managing staff, scouting staff of one particular team to be in contact with each other somehow and then probably do something similar to like, I don't know exactly how the, the NFL does it, uh, but but like, you know, report to, I don't know, send in some sort of email to Batman, and then it would be him the commissioner announcing the picks like they do in other leagues. Yeah, or another possibility is they'll probably maybe test everybody, like a bunch of people, a bunch of exec- executives, and these executives will be in contact with some war room. And then they'll, you know, what was it? The, the Sidney Crosby draft? They gathered in a in a hotel room, and that's where they had yeah. it. That's another possibility, right? And I don't know. I know the NFL, they're kind of thinking the same thing, that kind of thing, where they're going to have a small number of executives uh, from each team. And then these executives will report back to war rooms in their respective cities to keep everybody apart. And that's how they're going to do the NFL draft. The NFL draft, by the way, has not been postponed. Uh, they just announced that it's going to go on track and that's going to be next month uh, in late April. Well, uh, I didn't hear about that, but I, I have a feeling that that's probably not a final decision and it will probably end up being postponed anyway. Yeah, I well, they the league seemed very confident. I mean, this wasn't a we'll see how it goes. This is this was a we're definitely doing this April twenty third to twenty fifth. They just they seem to have figured it out already. I think I, I don't know if I completely agree with the idea. I think they'll need to take a bunch of precautions. But I think if the NFL decides it wants to do something, I think it could probably do it at this point. Just because you know if they can limit the amount of people, I think they'll be able to get it through. Something similar to what happened with the what's happening with the NHL draft in that it's not going to be in Montreal this year, so they're pushing it back to a year or two down the road, uh, but handled very differently. The Memorial Cup in the CHL, the Junior Leagues, was supposed to be in Kelowna this year, hosted by the Kelowna Rockets of the Western Hockey League. And what the junior teams do 
is every year they rotate between the three junior leagues, uh, WHL, QMJHL, and the OHL. They rotate uh, which league is going to host the Memorial Cup that year. But now that the Memorial Cup has been canceled for the first time in like 102 years, uh, they're skipping over the Western Hockey League, which which Kelowna was very upset about because, of course, for these junior cities, hosting the Memorial Cup is a really big deal. And they just got it taken away from them. Now they're just jumping over the Western Hockey League, skipping over them. Uh, it's kind of upsetting for a lot of people. Oh, I didn't hear that uh, they, they actually skipped Kelowna. It's also a big deal because these teams, if you host it, you, you get a direct entry into the competition, right? And so, you know, you get yeah. a big stage for your team. And so, yeah, it sucks for Kelowna. I didn't hear that they were totally skipped over like that. I mean, who knows when they'll end up hosting again it, because, you know, there are a whole bunch of teams, like, in the three leagues, right? So, yeah, I mean, it sucks for Kelowna because this, this thing is huge, right? It's the biggest tournament in junior hockey. And to be kind of robbed by the coronavirus of an opportunity to, you know, to get in there. Sucks for the other teams, too, the, the other teams that were going to make it into the tournament. Uh, just, you know, it, it's just a matter of life right now. It just totally sucks, and uh, especially for Kelowna, I guess. I don't know how far ahead they planned the host of the Memorial Cup, but I would say that there's a chance that next time it comes around to the Western Hockey League in three years that they would give it back to Kelowna unless they already have that planned three years ahead of time. Yeah, I mean that would probably seem right at this point, right? But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how far, how far, how many years in advance they got the Memorial Cup host lineup. But yeah, I expect if they end up, you know, if it is pretty flexible, a year-to-year host decision thing, I'd probably expect it to go to Kelowna at this point because, uh, yeah, they they certainly that franchise certainly can't be happy right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the next thing you wanted to talk about was this sort of alteration of the gold plan uh, comprised by Sean Gold a couple years back about the draft lottery. And one franchise apparently asked the NHL, not asked the NHL, uh, more like proposed to the NHL that if the season were at some point able to continue on as, well, not, not as normal, but with hockey played at least, that for the draft lottery this year, they should, instead of having the regular ping-pong ball lottery like they do, have some sort of tournament among the bottom dwellers to decide who picks first, second, third overall. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts about this possibility before I delve into mine. Okay. Uh, This is some extremely stupid shit. I can't believe a team actually thought this through and then submitted it to the league because that's what they did. And, I mean, this plan is not well thought out at all. It's sure it's a nice thought. Sure, it's a nice thing in theory, but if you think about the actual logistics and how it would work and just given the fairness of it all and maybe just even the quality of hockey that would be at that point in the season, it just it makes no sense. All right. So, like, first of all, uh, the whole point of the lottery is you award the worst teams in the league the best players. If you're just getting a, a free for all, you know, I presume that there was no advantage given to these worst teams like Detroit. How can you possibly expect Detroit to get any better if they don't have a single shot at Alexis Lafreniere because they're playing against, I don't know, the New York Rangers who just missed the playoffs? Makes no sense whatsoever in that case. And then when it comes to, I don't know, like player performance, you can't expect anything good because why would these be play- these players be motivated whatsoever? They haven't played hockey in forever. And they're frankly, they're not playing for the cup. They're not playing for anything they want. They're playing for a kid who... Maybe shows up on their team, takes their job, either that or they'll ne- or if they're a free agent, they'll never see this kid on their team. 
or you know who knows maybe we'll just this kid will never make it to the to the NHL and so yeah there there's no motivation for these players They'll, like it's just an increased injury risk and so yeah just it seems that this team where it is just really didn't think it through just thought of something pulled it out of their ass and submitted it to the league uh, I want to correct one thing about what you said. Uh, apparently, there would be an advantage for the teams the lower you are down the standings. Like the way I understood it is the the Red Wings wouldn't need to win very much to get the first pick, whereas a team that just missed the missed the playoffs would need to go on an all time hot streak to get the first overall pick. That being said, uh, yeah, this takes the the gold plan, which was terrible to begin with, and, and makes it about ten times worse. Uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar with the original gold plan was as well, it's called the gold plan, not because it's golden and everyone loves it, but because the guy's last name was gold. So it's kind of a play on words, but basically how it works is in a normal NHL regular season, as soon as your team is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs from that point until the end of the season, you start accumulating uh, points by, you know, wins, two points for a win, one point for an overtime loss, like the regular NHL standings work. And by the end of the season, whoever has the most points wins the first pick, most points since they were eliminated from the playoffs. So it means that the worse you are, the faster you get eliminated from the playoffs, the more time you have to accumulate those points. And if you're a team that just barely misses the playoffs on the last day of the regular season, well, then you have zero points. And so you you finish 14th or 15th or whatever it is in um, – in that ranking. But uh, this plan is terrible, even though it seems nice to a lot of people on the on the surface, people who want to eliminate tanking. I, for one, love tanking. and I think it's fantastic and extremely entertaining and fun for fan bases. Uh, but this plan also, first of all, as you point out, uh, defeats the entire purpose of the draft, which is to try and help out the teams that are really bad in hopes that they one day may be good. If a team... It misses, uh, is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs a month away from the end of the regular season and only wins one game from that point forward and ends up picking 10th. Isn't that the kind of team that should be picking first or at least have the highest odds at picking first in the regular draft lottery? Yes, that's exactly the kind of team that should be picking first overall. Not to mention, if a team knows that they're going to be trying to win games down the stretch, this is an angle that a lot of people haven't thought of, that totally ruins the trade deadline. Because teams that would normally be selling to try and tank and, you know, go for the basement dwelling position, get a high draft pick, will instead be holding on to those veterans, thinking, oh, we're not that far out from being eliminated from playoff contention, and we're going to want to have these players to try and win as many games as possible. So you'll end up seeing very few trades at the trade deadline, uh, nothing of consequence. So so that's a terrible plan to begin with. And in terms of this tournament, yeah, it's even worse because these players, what what are they going to be playing for? Because like at least in the regular season, that's your job. If you have this tournament in the middle of the summer in this case, or even if you had it like at the end of the regular season in the regular season, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the players wouldn't want to be there. They wouldn't be engaged at all. They wouldn't be putting in any effort because they're playing for nothing. They're not getting extra money, first of all. I mean, it's a possibility that you would, I don't know, financially reward the team that the players of the team that wins the tournament, but that seems pretty unlikely. So, yeah, the effort level wouldn't be anywhere near uh, near regular season gameplay. And it just goes against what the draft is about altogether. So, yeah, this plan gets a big no for me. And... I assume that the only reason it made headlines is because of how outrageously stupid it is. So 
Uh, even if it were a possibility, I assume it would get a big no from the NHL as well. Yeah, I would hope so. Well, frankly, you know, given the NHL's history, I wouldn't be surprised if they approved it, just out of sheer stupidity. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just a dumb plan overall. I mean, if you implement it, uh, I, I, I mean, no matter how big of an advantage you give to Detroit, uh, anything short of handing them the first overall pick, they're not going to get anywhere fast. And so, you know, a team like Detroit, historically bad. How can you expect them to perform in any sort of capacity at this kind of tournament? It rewards mediocrity is what it does, right? Uh, if you're not good enough to make the playoffs, but you're good enough to beat the other teams that didn't make the playoffs, uh, you get some sort of advantage. No, I don't think it's smart at all. And frankly, I don't know anybody who thinks it's a good idea other than this one franchise. Okay, so... Uh, not to yeah, mention, so it was, it was, hey, before we move yeah, on. Go for it. Not to mention, the way the NHL has been doing the draft lottery for the past couple of years is awesome. It's so entertaining on TV to watch Bill Daly rele- rele- uh, sorry, reveal those logos on those cards uh, the, for those three lottery winners. I, it's so much fun to watch on TV, and that's a great event that the NHL seems to have been getting better at marketing ever since uh, 2016 when they implemented it. So I don't see why the NHL would want to take that away. And even if there is no more hockey this year, then they could still do that format without changing it very much at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it, that thing is it, the the whole event is pretty exciting, and it's much more exciting than watching. I don't know, Columbus beat the tires off of Detroit for the fifteenth overall pick. That doesn't seem entertaining to me at all. All right, so uh, yeah, it was a pretty slow week in terms of hockey news. I mean, that's like be expected. Uh, nothing's really happening. Everybody's just kind of in self isolation at this point. And so we're moving on to our big uh, segment of the week. And so you want to explain how what you've prepared for us today? Uh, yeah, sure. So I would say in the six-month history of Fusion and Hockey Podcast just about, uh, you know, I think this actually might be the exact uh, six-month anniversary, or somewhere around this time, because we started right around the end of September. So uh, happy half year, anyway. But, but besides, that's besides the point. Uh, what I was going to say is I think this might be the single stupidest thing that we've ever done. What, I, what we've done here is we've compiled a bracket of almost all the players in the Habs organization. So that includes the 48 players, or f- sorry, not 40, 46, I believe, 46 players that they have under contract, including the very recently signed Jesse Ilonen, recent second overall pick of the Canadians, and most of the uh, 22 players on their reserve list. So that adds up to 68 players. So we had to remove a couple in order to put them into a bracket. Uh, we removed... Laurent Dauphin, who they acquired a couple months ago from Michael McCarron and is a pending unrestricted free agent. So that seems like a very inconsequential player that we could uh, remove. We removed Max Freiberg, who was a Ducks draft pick who the Canadians acquired for Dustin Tokarski in 2016, played a little bit in the AHL, then went to Europe where he's been the last couple of years. They still have his rights for now technically, but they're about to expire. Uh, Arvid Henriksen, who was a recent seventh-round pick, and his rights expire in August. And Samuel Oud, who was, a, I believe, a fifth-round pick a couple of years ago, one of those four players from the 2018 draft who Mark Bergevin said, we, are, we only plan on signing one of them, and he seems like the least likely one. So his rights will probably be expiring June 1st. So those are the four players we decided not to include uh, on this bracket. And basically, we have incredibly... Uh, laughably subjective criteria that we are going to be using to to fill out this bracket. I think the three criteria we settled upon were best player as well as uh, 
long-term impact on the team as well as good vibes in general. So, so you can't get any more stupid than that, subjective than that. And I have a feeling the the criteria and the balance of it might be evolving as it goes on. Uh, we might think very differently of this bracket when it's done being filled out than we do right now. Yeah, we'll figure it out. And uh, I mean, we're technically not done the month of March. It's the 29th today. And so this counts as my March Madness. Uh, because that was canceled too at this point. All right, so let's get started. Uh, you want to just go start going down from the left side down. I think we'll be posting this on social media in case you want to do this yourself uh, if you're feeling really bored. Uh, so you want to just get started now? Oh, yeah, Before I want to explain uh, how we seeded the players. Uh, so basically we seeded them by longest tenure with the team, and that isn't like... Uh, that's not dating back to their first game with the team because a lot of these players have never played a game with the Canadians or a game in the NHL at all. So basically, uh, Carey Price is a one seed because, well, he was the longest tenure because he was drafted in 2005. Brennan Gallagher is the second longest because he was drafted in 2010. Uh, Charles Udon is actually the third one seed because he was drafted in 2012. And then Arturi Lekkinen was drafted in 2013. So this is going back to the day that the rights were acquired by the team as and the seedings. So it goes like that, the ranking for all the players under contract. And then the lowest seeds are the players on the reserve list who haven't been signed yet. So basically if a player hasn't been signed yet, then they are definitely going to be a lower seed than a player who is under contract. Just wanted to, right, just wanted perfect. to explain that. that. Sounds like a, that yeah. Sounds like a great system. All right, let's get her going. Uh, so you want to name the regions? We'll call it the top left region, I guess. Uh, we have a one sixteen matchup: Carey Price, noted goalie, and uh, Kieran Ruchinski. Uh, I th- yeah. I think we've agreed to our wait. I think we've agreed on how we're gonna pick these brackets. I think we're just gonna keep. We're gonna hash it out until we both come to a consensus on who to advance. Am I wrong? Yes, exactly. Yes. So okay, uh, Kieran Ruchinski. Kieran Ruchinski is was a seventh-round pick of this past draft. I don't know how he's done this year, but I do remember being very perplexed that uh, they drafted him. He wasn't a junior player. He was drafted out of AAA, a defenseman with 11 points in 33 games that season, versus uh, one-seed Carey Price, who has a Vesna and Hart Trophy under his belt and many, many seasons of being one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League. So my vote will go to Carey Price. Uh, would you agree with me? Uh, oh, no, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, Carey Price, on to round two. Uh, let's move on. Uh, an 8-9 matchup. We got Joel Teasdale and uh, Brett Kulak. Yeah, uh, so Brett Kulak, of course, NHL player. Joel Teasdale, I think he was a, a free agent signing out of junior a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And I think he's uh, had a lot of injury troubles as of late. I think he spent this entire season on... Uh, on season opening injured reserve with the Canadians. So uh, best of luck to Joel Teasdale for his health, but I'm going to give my vote to to Brett Kulak. Yeah, I tend to agree there. A uh, guy who is scratched a bit too much for our taste, but uh, I think he's a top four NHL defender. I think you'd agree. So he's on to round two. Uh, next on our list, we have Jonathan Drouin and recent second round pick Jaden Struble. Yeah, that uh, twelve C Jaden Struble. Uh, so one thing I uh, actually noted out noted recently that 
Jaden Struble picking him instead of Nick Robertson, who's breaking goal-scoring records in the OHL, prospect of the Maple Leafs, uh, is probably going to uh, bite the Canadians' ass a couple years down the road. So so that's not good vibes from Jaden Struble to begin with, even though it's, of course, not his fault. And uh, you have Jonathan Drouin, of course, NHL player, started the year great, might have came back a little too early from his injury. But uh, I think I'm going to go with the favorite on this matchup, 5C Jonathan Drouin. Yeah, we don't really have any Cinderella stories yet in this March Madness bracket. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like Nick Nick Roberts is tearing it up with, in Petersburg. Uh, sucks to see that he's on the Leafs, and uh, he seems to be an absolute steal for them. I think he was great as a first-round prospect. And so, yeah, definitely no good vibes coming from Jaden Schruble. He's, uh, yeah, he's kind of like the Andrew Shaw when we missed out on uh, Alex DeBrincat. So, uh, you know, bad vibes over there, and uh, I'll definitely be picking Drew on that one. All right, uh, next matchup, four-seed Antoine Waked versus 13-seed Jakob Olofsson. I'll let you go first on this one. I've been going first for the for the last few. All right, so uh, Antoine Waked, I have literally never heard of this guy. I don't know how he's a four-seed. I guess he's quietly been on the team forever. Uh, meanwhile, Jacob Olofsson, uh, recent second-round pick, uh, I, I remember reading that he got injured uh, a while ago, unfortunately. But just given the fact that I've never heard of this Wackhead guy, uh, I think I'm going to go with Olsen on this one. Yeah, I'm leaning Jakob Olsen as well. Uh, he was actually, the year he was drafted, a lot projected him in the late first round. And he ended up falling all the way to Montreal at number 56, which I was quite happy about. Antoine Wackhead was a also a free agent signing out of junior who's been kind of toiling in the AHL, I think maybe a little bit in the ECHL lately. So Jakob Olofsson, uh, that'll be that'll be my pick for that one. That's a 13 seed beating a, a four seed. So so great upset. It's a, great about this this longest tenure format that we seeded the players with is that if, if I made the seeds based on like who I think is going to go the farthest, then there would have been basically no upsets. But now you get these 13 seeds beating these four seeds. And uh, yeah, it really shines through the the pointlessness and stupidity of the entire project that we're currently undergoing. Absolutely, uh, but it's perfect. Who doesn't love a good underdog? And uh, Jacob Olsen, let's go, let's go. All right, another one. Uh, I think we'll be going with the underdog on the next matchup, six and eleven. We have Alexandra Allen and uh, number eleven seed, noted free agent signing Ben Chirot. Yep, Ben Chirot, who has. Not been on the Canadians very long. He was signed early July. I want to say July 4th of 2019. So that's why he is an 11 seed. But he has surpassed our expectations this season. We criticized him a little bit early on. But then he really hit his stride around around December. Whereas Alexandre Alain has yet to play an NHL game. So I think we'll be going with Ben Chirot on this one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, easy, easy. Brings good vibes with his, uh, with his whole emoji segment from earlier this year. Eggs Benny. Uh, and uh, let's keep it going. Uh, so uh, Michael oh, McNeven, right. yeah, is a third seed, and we have uh, Jack Gorniak, number fourteen. I've never heard of Jack Gorniak. Want to tell me about him a bit? Uh, well, I don't know much about Jack Gorniak either. I think he was a twenty eighteen draft pick, uh, fifth round. I want to say, uh, still on the reserve list, unsigned. Michael McNeven was signed in ooh. I want to maybe 2015, 2016 as a, a junior free agent. So he's been around with the organization quite a while. He almost made the Canadian World Junior team once as a 19-year-old. I think he was the last cut or the last goalie cut. 
but it was looking like he had a, a bright future, at least as an AHL goalie. Now it with Primo Lindgren kind of overtook his uh, his his stead there with the Laval Rocket, and he's been kind of bouncing around, being loaned to different ECHL teams because the Canadians don't have an official ECHL affiliate. But uh, I still like Michael McNeven on this one, especially considering Jack Gorniak. I barely know anything about so, and Michael McNeven still may have some sort of upside as only a twenty three. Uh, around 23-year-old goalie. Yeah, he's actually t- only 22 years old. It's it's amazing. Actually, some of these guys, uh, I ended up looking them up, and then their age just, just baffled me. I mean, I, for another one, for example, we'll get to him later on. Uh, Noah Juleson seems like he's been on the team forever. He's only 22 years old, too. So, uh, yeah, these, these things, uh, I guess our, our perception of time is a bit warped. Uh, Michael McNeven, it just seems like he's been here forever, and he's only 22 years old. Uh, kind of crazy. And I'll go with the name recognition again. And, uh, yeah, McNeven over Gorniak. All right, next uh, next up, we've got, I think this might be, our first matchup between two players with NHL experience, the 7th seed, Max Domi, against the 10th seed, Keith Kincaid. Now, now this one is a, a very interesting matchup because, well, first of all, we both have uh, bones to pick with uh, Max Domi's uh, personal habits and beliefs perhaps but uh there there is no doubt that he is indeed the the better player of the two and the the more impactful positively to the canadians whereas keith Kincaid, uh we liked him with his his emoji tweets earlier on in the season but then once he was sent to laval rocket he reportedly totally uh fell off the the deep end uh in terms of play which not not that he was doing so well with the canadians to begin with and I've rumblings that maybe he he wasn't really embracing uh, being a minor leaguer so well. He was kind of a little bit of a poison in the locker room, not getting enough playing time. So I think I'm still going to have to – I'm going to go with Max Domi on this one. Yeah, maybe the bad vibes from Max Domi will end up costing him later in the bracket. That's probably what's going to happen. But for now, on, yeah, absolutely. For this one, Keith Kincaid. I mean, yeah, I, was, I, was, I thought we had a pretty good backup goalie when the season started. I, I sure love those tweets and all those emojis with the – the Eggs Benny was the name of an episode at one point. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he just kind of fell off the cliff. He disappeared into the minor leagues. And, uh, yeah, we're still stuck with no backup uh, solution in that case. So I'll take Domi as well. Uh, next one, noted second seed because he's been here forever, Lucas Verdemo, uh against 15th seed Jacob Laguerrier. Uh, both of them, I don't think neither of them have made it to the NHL. Uh, Vajdemo was a third-round pick a number of years back in 2015. Meanwhile, Laguerrier was just picked uh, this last offseason. So uh, you got any preference between either of these two guys? Uh, Vedemo, actually, he has played a couple games with the Canadians this season. Uh, not not very many, though, and didn't get very many minutes either. Claude Julien barely played him at all. Uh, I think, I want to say he got his first NHL goal, like, in the last week leading up to the cancellation of the season. So so that's some, some good vibes leading into the break. So I'm going to go with Lucas Vedemo, uh, mostly just because of, well, the, the NHL experience that he has. I've seen him play. Yeah, noted NHL experience, seven games. So, uh, yeah, I'll take him too. Uh, wow, he's a second seed. Who knew? Uh, I guess I guess being in the thing for being in the organization for five years gets you a second seed. On to the bottom right region. We have first seed. Arturi Lekkinen, uh against Cinderella Story, potentially. A uh, guy whose name is actually Arsen. That's his first name. Arsen Kisamuddinov. Uh, I think I'll take Lekkinen on this one pretty safely. 
Yeah, yeah, me too. This will be our Trey Lekkonen. Uh, by the way, just for those of you who may be looking at this bracket, which I posted on the Fusion and Hockey Podcast Facebook page yesterday, uh, Taisei said bottom right. This is actually in the bottom left. Just don't want to confuse anybody in this bracket. Also, uh, before 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 we carry on with this segment of the bracket, I just wanted to uh, to shout out the podcast that gave us inspiration to do a bracket, which I wanted to mention before we started but forgot to, uh, Puck Soup Podcast. Uh, one of the greatest hockey podcasts out there right now, Greg Wyshynski, Ryan Lambert, and Sean McIndoe did a uh, bracket recently um, uh, about the best team to never win a Stanley Cup, and that's what gave us kind of the, the bracket fever a little bit, gave us the inspiration to to get going with this one. Yeah, all right, all right. On to the next one. We have an 8-9, Xavier Wallet and Christian Follin, a couple of guys who played uh, with the team this year. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go with Xavier Wallet on this one. Um, just because, well, I think he, he's got... Well, first of all, I think he's a better player. Uh, Christian Follin has kind of been... Even though he was like kind of a mainstay on the bottom pair for the last part of last season, the 18-19 season, he spent most of the season in the Rocket, and when he has done with the Canadians, he just looked... Looks so slow and out of place. He really looks like an AHL, where Xavier Ouellette kind of really stands his ground. And, you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know, you know, good vibes. That's a good thing. Just go, going, with your, going with your heart. That's the, the idea of this bracket. Totally subjective and not based in fact or necessarily reality at all. Yeah, I'll thank Ouellette on this one. I think he solidified himself as a, a pretty consistent NHL player on the fourth line. And, uh, yeah, much more so than Follin in terms of consistency on an NHL team. Uh, so, yeah, I think we agree on that one. We haven't, I don't think we've reached a disagreement yet on any, at any point in this bracket so far. Uh, so, we'll take Willette, uh in this matchup. Next up, who do we have? We have uh, we've got Kale Fleury. K- Kale Fleury. Yeah, and, and Aaron Luchuk. And Aaron Luchuk. All right. Okay. Uh, Aaron Luchuk was just acquired at the trade deadline along with the seventh-round pick in exchange for Matthew Pekka. Uh, he is a very good ECHL player uh, and a, a decent AHLer. Carol Fleury, on the other hand, of course, spent a very big chunk of the season up in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens. A young 20- or 21-year-old defenseman who I would say has a pretty bright future in the NHL, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the five-seed Carol Fleury in this one. Yeah, just based on potential, I think Fleury's got the much higher ceiling, and uh, I'll have to agree with you on that one. Uh, moving on, we got Victor Mete and Cam Hillis. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with the first pairing defenseman, Victor Mete. Yep, me too. Cam Hillis is the one of those four 2018 draft picks that is most likely to be signed and probably join the Rocket next season. But, of course, Victor Mete, he is an NHL defenseman, and he's still very young, and he doesn't necessarily have a high ceiling, but I think he's probably going to be a mainstay in their top four for, for quite a while after this. So, four-seed Victor Mete wins on that one. Next up, we've got a six-seed Caden Primo against an 11-seed Jacob Lucchini. Ah, Caden Primo, why else is there a very promising guy we've talked about extensively this season. Uh, great seventh-round pick. Uh, and I'm probably gonna definitely gonna take him over uh, Jacob Lucchini, who I recall we traded for at the trade deadline. Said an absolutely fantastic name, Lucchini. Sounds like zucchini, but unfortunately, those good vibes uh, still lose to Caden uh, Primo, who pro- possibly goaltender in the future. 
Yep, you, you nailed it there. Uh, next up, we've got, I think this is probably the first really intriguing one, for me at least, the, the first one that I really have to think about a little bit. Uh, we got a three-seed Charlie Lindgren against a 14-seed Jordan Harris, who was a recent third-round pick, uh, played for Team USA at the World Juniors, uh, very good. I don't think he has been signed by the Canadians yet, but the expectation is that he will be sometime soon probably joined the Rocket this year. And a lot of people seem to think he has a a very bright future, possibly as a uh, maybe bottom pair, maybe even second pair NHL defenseman on the left side. Whereas Charlie Lindgren, of course, he has been the uh, the backup goalie this year, and he's been all right in some instances, but, uh, but obviously not necessarily all you would hope for in a backup. Yeah, so uh, given those circumstances... I think I'm going to actually take the youngster in this one, uh, the underdog, Jordan Harris. Uh, just based on, he had a great uh, he had a great season this year. He kind of came onto the scene. Great third-round pick. Uh, as you mentioned, he uh, he played in the juniors for the United States. I remember seeing him on the team. And on top of that, he had a great year for Northeastern this year. And uh, so, yeah, in a pretty big upset, I'd say. Uh, and Charlie Lindgren, he, just, he has a limited ceiling. I mean, he's an all-right backup. I mean, he leaves you wanting more a bit when he's in the net. And so, yeah, just based on that, uh, I'm really putting emphasis on the long-term value for the team here. I think I'm going to go with Jordan Harris, even if he hasn't, you know, made it to the pros yet. I still think I'm going to have to stick with him. Yeah, okay. I was 50-50 on that one, so I was waiting for to see if you had a preference. And now that you do, I'm, I'm going to go along with you on that. Jordan Harris, the 14 seed, upsets 3 seed Charlie Lindgren to move on to the final 32. All right, next matchup, another one of two NHLers. And I would say it's a shame either one of these guys has to be eliminated in the first round. 7 seed Yoel Armia against 10 seed Jordan Wheel. Now, I love Jordan Wheel very much. Great fourth liner. Uh, lots of meme potential with him. But Yoel Armia, I think, uh, being a, a great middle six right winger, such a great such a great reach, and also is, I believe, under team control for quite a while longer, or unless he is a, he might be a UFA at the end of his deal. I don't remember exactly. Either way, Armia is clearly the better player, and I love him, and that's the main reason why I'm going to have to go with him. Yeah, so I love Yoel Armia as well. He's great on the penalty kill. Yeah, just as you said. Great middle six forward. He knows his role and he does it great. And uh, yeah, I love Jordan Wheel too, but uh, he's a fourth liner. So uh, I don't think I can pick him there. And uh, going to have to go with Armia on this one too. Yep. All right. Last matchup of the bottom left segment or conference or whatever we're calling it. Two seed Jake Evans against uh, 15 seed Frederick Dichau, otherwise known as Frederick Nissen Dichau. A, I believe he's from Norway. Norwegian goaltender drafted uh, 2019 in the late rounds. Um, I don't think this is such a hard decision. I'm going to go with Jake Evans, who was very impressive in limited time as a fourth liner this season in the NHL. And I would say it's probably earned his spot on the team next season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no question there. And uh, going to have to go with Evans. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, finally, actually, this time we're actually going to move to the right side of the bracket. I don't know why I mistook my left and my right there. Kind of embarrassing. Let's go, let's go. And uh, top right, we have our 116. Uh, Brendan Gallagher against Raphael Harvey Pinard. Uh, I don't think there's much of a question on who's going to win this one. Yeah, uh, well, first of all, before we go into the top right bracket, I want to say that I think the entire right side... Uh, somehow ended up much stronger than the left side in terms of quality of player, especially the top right, which you're going to see over the next couple minutes as we walk down it. Uh, yeah, Brendan Gallagher, of course, 
one of the the mainstays of the Canadians for the past seven years or so against Raphael Harvey Bernard, who I would say uh, it's it's kind of a shame that he had to go up against Gallagher right away because against someone else, there's a, a chance he could have broken through. He's, I think, the captain of his junior team, the QMJHL. I don't remember exactly what it is. And people seem to love him. He And uh, he, I think he was a recent seventh-round pick, actually, I think 2018. And a lot of people are under the impression that uh, Montreal is going to sign him this summer. But yeah, of course, Brennan Gallagher. I mean, come on. He's going to win that matchup. Yeah, easy, easy. All right, moving on. Uh, one of the favorites, I'd say, maybe coming out of it, given the season that he's had as a rookie, Nick Suzuki is our eighth seed against, uh, I'm pretty sure he was an undrafted free agent signing. And so I don't think he stands much of a chance against Suzuki. It's Gustav Olofsson, the second Olofsson in this bracket. Uh, so I think I'll be taking Suzuki this one pretty easily. Yeah, Gustav Olofsson was actually a Minnesota Wild draft pick that Montreal acquired for Will Bitten a couple years back. Uh, yeah, of course, it's Nick Suzuki. Come on, possible Rookie of the Year finalist. Uh, 20 years old or so, great future with the team. Could possibly even be a top-line center. Hmm, don't want to tempt fate necessarily. But yeah, Nick Suzuki, this is a layup. Uh, next one, I would say, is possibly the hardest one to pick. And I'm not sure exactly where you'll be leaning on this. It's the five seed Ryan Paling versus the twelve seed Alexander Romanov. Uh, would you like to go first? I mean, frankly, I'm so torn on this one. I have no idea how to pick. I mean, there's pros and cons for both of them. I mean, first of all, Ryan Paling, he's got that NHL experience. Great vibes from that time he scored, what was it, four goals in the opener against the Leafs uh, in the last game of the season. So you got to love that. But on the other hand, I mean, it looks like we've got one of our just defensive workhorses for the future on this team in Alex Romanov. I know Bergevin wants to sign him over, or I think that that was his goal for next season. He wants to get this guy on the team. And so, and we're looking at ceiling here. Ryan Paling probably at best is a middle six forward. Meanwhile, uh, Alex Romanov has, you know, definitely the potential to anchor the top four for a long time for this team. And so, I mean, looking at that, uh, I just, I, I mean, Paling, he played extensively in the NHL this year, I guess. Like, not like it was on and off. And he didn't really impress. He really never hit those heights. Uh, I don't think those that four goal a game uh, was reasonable in any sort of way. But he kind of disappointed. His, his, his development kind of stalled a bit, I felt. And so, with that in mind, I just feel like I'm getting better, better vibes from Alex Romanov at this point. And so, I'm going to have to go with him. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of where I was leaning to. It seemed like you talked yourself into Romanov the more you went on, and that's where I was leaning ever so slightly as well. Uh, Ryan Paling, if we had done this bracket last summer, Ryan Paling would have beaten Romanov, no question, coming off of that hat trick plus the fourth goal in the shootout. But uh, as you say, this year it kind of made it look like, I don't know, maybe there's not as much offense there as we originally thought, whereas Romanov, well, Mark Bergevin, who's known, of course, for being... Uh, erring on the side of caution with prospects seems very confident that Romanov is ready to jump into the NHL right now as a 20-year-old. Uh, that watching him with the World Juniors also, he just seems like he brings so much energy to the team from the back end. He's always, you know, playing with that little spark. Uh, I think he's. I think he could be a star. Whereas Ryan Paling maybe maxes out as like a really good third-line center. So I think we we agree that Alex Romanov. We'll be pulling off the 12 over 5 seed upset on Ryan Paling here. Yeah, perfect. All right. Uh, next one. Wow, this this just this little 
this group of uh, eight players has a whole bunch of studs in there. Uh, this this one has Shea Weber against uh, Yoni Ikonen. I think it was drafted a few years back in the second round. So uh, I think I'll be taking the captain on this one. Yeah, uh, we don't need to spend too much time on this one. Shea Weber, Mountain Man, otherwise known as. Uh, yeah, he'll be moving on to round two. And then we'll see how, how much further he goes after that. Next up, we've got uh, two rather obscure players who happen to be going head-to-head. Hayden Verbeek, the sixth seed, against Andrew Sturtz, the 11 seed, who was part of the return package for Mike Riley from Ottawa. Yeah, so I'm just going to go based on age at this point because uh, Andrew Sturtz, He's kind of uh, a bit of nothing at this point. He's like around 26 years old, if I don't know, 25, 26. Anyways, uh, not very promising. Meanwhile, Hayden Verbeek, not very promising either, but he's only 22 years old. You never know this kind of thing. So just based on, you know, the amount of time to develop, I'm going to have to give it to, give it to Verbeek. Yep, uh, I think I'll, I would go with Hayden Verbeek as well, but not necessarily for the reasons you mentioned, more so that his name, especially his last name, is very fun to say, Hayden Verbeek. So those are some pretty good vibes there from a pretty cool name. Hayden Verbeek shall be moving on to the next round. Uh, next up, we've got three-seed Paul Byron against 14-seed Alan McShane. And I think that even though Alan McShane was a, a pretty good fourth round pick from my point of view he is most likely not going to be um, signed by the Canadians his rights are likely to expire June 1st whereas Paul Byron is uh, under contract for a little while longer and I would say a fan favorite at this point yep absolutely and uh yeah just a speedy guy great on the team uh McShane never stood a chance so next up we've got a, a 7-10 <laughs> matchup we have Jesperi Cock in the Emmy uh, against Alex Belziel. Yep, uh, this one goes to to Kotkaniemi, I would say. Recent third overall pick. Alex Belziel was pretty fun to watch, actually, in the, the preseason. Uh, some people think he might have an outside chance of making the team, but Kotkaniemi is, of course, a much more important part of the future of the Canadians. Yep. Uh, that's one. This one's actually more challenging than I thought it might be. Uh, talked about Noah Yusin a tiny bit earlier. So, yeah, he's going up against Cole Fonstad. Uh, you got any preference in this one? Uh, ooh, this one's interesting. Noah Juleson kind of looks like he had secured a spot on the bottom pairing of the Canadians a couple years back when he ran into all those injury troubles, a uh, really bad eye injury that is still kind of bugging him, and I think there was even something else recently. He hasn't played very much in the last couple of years. Cole Fonstad was a fifth-round pick recently, I want to say, in 2018 that we were very happy about. I think he is also one of the junior players whose rights may be expiring this season. So I'd say there's a high chance that Cole Fonset won't even be in the organization past June 1st. But even if he would be, I think I would probably still be leaning toward Noah Juleson on this, being that he has the, the NHL, NHL experience and the chance of working his way back to the NHL at some point, a higher chance of that than Fostad. Not to mention, he was a, uh, a a part of that 20, not 20, the 2017 Canada World Junior Team that I had lots of fun watching when they ended up falling to the USA in the gold medal game in the shootout. Yeah, just seems like this guy is more promised than uh, Fostad. Fostad was a pretty good fifth-round pick uh, a couple years back. But, uh, I mean, Yulson's a first-round pick. And, I mean, he hasn't totally figured it out yet. Obviously, he hasn't got that NHL spot. But uh, I think he takes it over Fonstad in this one. Uh, Moving to the bottom right half, 
uh, actually bottom at right half this time. And uh, we have an interesting 116 matchup. It's not, it's pretty lopsided, but just uh, Charles Houdon uh, is the one seed for this quadrant. And so he's going up against Brett Stapley. Yeah, uh, Charles Houdon, I would say, is going to get this matchup. Uh, I thought a couple of years back that he was maybe very close to securing his spot on in the bottom six for the Canadians, but he's, of course, been very up and down since then. Brett Stapley, uh, all I know about him is seventh-round pick recently. So uh, Charles Houdon, I would say, gets uh, gets that, that win in a, in a pretty pretty easy matchup. And uh, that would make it so that all the one seeds defeat all the 16 seeds, just like you would see in most years of the March Madness. Yep. Uh, no big no big upset of Virginia this year, uh, as was the case last year. And so, yeah, all the one seeds move on. Uh, moving on to the next one, we've got a couple of veterans. Uh, we have Thomas Tatar and Dale Weiss. Uh, I think, I'll, yeah, I think the NHLer takes this one uh, because Dale Weiss is just fourth liner slash AHLer. Yeah, uh, sorry, Dale Weiss. We uh, we like you. Uh, fun having you back around in the second stint. But Thomas Tatar, top line winger, uh, he could possibly be going quite far in this bracket. So eight seed Thomas Tatar is going to come out on top in that one. Next up, we've got the five seed Josh Brook against the twelve seed, still unsigned Cole Caulfield. Uh, I will be going with Cole Caulfield on this one. I assume you will agree with me. And if by some chance you don't, then I will certainly be dragging you onto my side within the next couple minutes. Yeah, I don't think there will be any dragging necessary on this podcast today. Uh, because, uh, frankly, I mean, we've talked praise. We've heaped praise on Cole Caulfield all season. Uh, the hype for him is unreal. And uh, how could we How could we get him eliminated to Josh Brook in the first round? That would be outrageous. Uh, definitely moving on. Easy pick uh, for Caulfield. He's moving on to round two. Yep, sorry, Josh Brook. Uh, next up, we've got a four-seed Michael Pozzetta against a 13-seed Matthias Norlinder. And I suspect a little bit of an upset coming on. Matthias Norlinder, uh, which I believe is how it's pronounced, Matthias, rather. Uh, 64th overall pick, 20... Uh, sorry, I can't remember. 2019, I believe it was, not 2018. Yes, it was 2019. The most recent draft has been phenomenal this year in the Swedish league, uh, playing against men in, I believe, limited minutes. He was the seventh defenseman on the Swedish junior team, a stacked defense corps. I wish he got more playing time, but I'm pretty optimistic, actually, about the future of Norlander. I think he'll probably be staying in Sweden next season, but after that, uh, who knows when he'll be ready for the NHL. Uh, could be not as long as we think. Yeah, I would mean, just a fantastic third round pick. Uh, I mean, to see a guy explode like this the the year after he's drafted is fantastic. So, uh, you know, I mean, good for you, Mark Bergevay. And uh, yeah, he's. I think he earned some sort of accolade for being one of the better defensemen in the Swedish league. So just all around, very promising. Pazetta never had a chance. Sorry, bud. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got six seed Carl Osner against eleven seed Joseph Blandisi, and uh, this is probably the easiest decision for me. Well, not not necessarily the easiest decision, uh, but Joseph Blandisi for me wins just because Carl Osner is associated with so many negative memories from the day he was signed to that terrible contract. Uh, he's a very nice person by all accounts, but sorry, Osner, just just bad vibes from that cat friendly page. Yeah, I was pretty 50-50 on this one, just based on the fact that Carl Osner is signing is so atrocious that you're absolutely right. The va- bad vibes on this guy are incredible, just based on his contract. He seems like a great guy. I hear all sorts of things from the AHL. Apparently, he's, you know, 
He's he, he's got that locker room thing going even in the AHL. But uh, unfortunately, he's a he's a he's a freaking pylon out there when he's playing in the AHL. Can't skate. Don't know why. I mean, I'm still sour about that contract. Will be until the end of time. And so, uh, since you're leaning Blandisi, uh, I think he came along with Jacob Lucchini in that trade, and uh, gonna yep. go with him as well. All right, uh, another I would say relatively easy matchup. Number three seed Philip Dano against number fourteen seed Gianni Fairbrother, who by all accounts has exceeded expectations in. Uh, I don't remember if he's playing junior this season or somewhere in the USHL. I don't know, but I've been hearing good things. Philip Dano, though, has been, for better or for worse, the number one center on the Canadians for the past couple of years. And, uh, yeah, some are saying it possibly even deserves to be in the Selkie conversation. So I'm going with Philip Dano in this matchup. Yep. Uh, I think I'm definitely going to have to agree with that one. Uh, moving on to the next matchup, we have... Uh, we just mentioned him earlier. He just got signed a couple days ago to an NHL contract. Uh, Second-round pick Jesse Elinen, uh against uh, Otto Leskinen. I think I'll be taking uh, the guy with the contract this time around. Yep, me too. Uh, Otto Leskinen was uh, decent in a couple games up with the Canadians this season. But Jesse Elinen, 35th overall pick, uh, was very good in the Finnish league this year. And some people are saying he might even have an outside shot to make the Canadians out of camp. Uh, maybe similar to how Arturi Lekkonen did back in uh, the fall of 2016, another Finnish winger. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Elinen on this one as well. And uh, for the last matchup of round one, which has included very little feuding, and I, it looks like it's going to end that way as well, we've got two-seed Jeff Petrie against the 15-seed Rhett Pitlick, brother of Predators prospect Rem Pitlick. Wow. Really fantastic names out there. The parents really got out there with that one. Uh, unfortunately, his first name doesn't just overtake the fact that Jeff Petrie is an absolute stud on the back end. Minutes, muncher, uh, easy pass to the second round. All right, so that concludes the first round of the, what do we call it, the, the Habs Vibes bracket? We could. Uh, how, do, how do you feel about that name? Perhaps you could have come up all with right. the name before we began. Perhaps, but it's all good. Uh, March Habness, that's what I'm calling it. Uh, so uh, on to the uh, second round. Let's let's get, let's start picking up the pace a bit over here. Uh, back oh, yeah. up to the top left, we've got Price Kulak. I think I'll be taking Price on this one. Yep, uh, Carey Price. Perhaps now that we've gone over every player in depth a little bit, we can just go maybe a little bit more rapid fire, except if we run into any potential disagreements. So yeah, Price over Kulak. Sorry, Brett Kulak, that's it for you. Next up, we've got Jonathan Drouin versus Jakob Olofsson, and I'm going to go with the NHLer Jonathan Drouin on this one. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Ben Sherratt against Michael McNeven. I mean... Uh, McNeven here probably doesn't belong in the second round. Sherratt's an NHL player. Gonna take him. Yep, I would agree with you there. Uh, McNeven, yeah, I don't think it's fair to say he doesn't belong in the second round. But uh, either way, Ben Sherratt is a relatively easy win for that one. Next matchup is Max Domi versus Lucas Vedemo. And uh, we were saying we think Max Domi might meet uh, an untimely end. I don't think that that will be coming quite yet. Lucas Vedemo does have a little bit of NHL experience, but Max Domi is a far more crucial member of this team. So I think Max Domi, the seventh seed, is going to defeat Vedemo, the two seed. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Arturi Lekkonen uh, against Xavier Wallet. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Lekkonen on this one. Noted first seed. Yep, that, 
Yep, that's Lekkonen. Lekkonen, the one seed, stays alive, moves on to the Sweet 16. Next, we've got Kale Fleury and Victor Mete, uh, two young defensemen. Um, but I would say Victor Mete, the one who solidified as an NHL player, is going to get the edge on Kale Fleury here. Yeah, even though Fleury took a lot shorter to score his first goal, uh, gonna hand it to yeah. Mete on this one. Uh, just he's just he's proved himself an NHL player and uh, absolute stud. Moving on, uh, we have Caden uh, Primo uh, against Jordan Harris. Who you got? I think I got Primo on this one. Goalie of the future, potentially. Yeah, I've got Primo as well. Uh, he totally won me over in that win against the Ottawa Senators in December. I was kind of a, kind of wary about him being called up maybe too early, but he impressed me very much, and I think he should be the backup goalie moving forward. Uh, next up, next matchup on the left side is Yoel Armia against Jake Evans, and I am going to go with Yoel Armia on this just because he is a, a mainstay in, the, in that top six and without a doubt will be in the NHL for the Canadians next season, whereas Jake Evans will still have to work his way there. And uh, I just have overall more fun watching Armia and think he's more important to the team right now. Totally agreed. So uh, that, that, that wraps up for the, the left side of the bracket. Moving on to the right. Uh, Gallagher Suzuki. This one's fascinating. Who do you have? This one's really hard. I looked at the bracket uh, right as it was made, and I could see this matchup coming. I'm still not 100% sure about who I want. Uh, I think we could would probably both agree that Brennan Gallagher is more important right now and could possibly be for the next couple of years. One thing, though, uh, that's, ve- that's very interesting is Gallagher is not under contract for that much longer. Uh, I'm not sure. It could possibly even one year, actually. I don't remember. Might be two more that he's under contract on the great deal. I'm not really sure. Nick Suzuki, though, the thing that that sticks out to me, not only is the fact that he's a center, which is the thing everyone likes to throw around, but he's only 20 and there's no telling how much better he could get and whether even by next season or at least within the next two or three years, if he's going to be like, I don't know, maybe even a Patrice Bergeron type or maybe not quite at that level, but almost at that level. So I think I'm going to ever so slightly lean towards Nick Suzuki in this matchup, which would be quite a, quite a shock to see Brennan Gallagher out so early, a fate that he certainly wouldn't deserve, especially considering the fact that the likes of Ben Sherratt have managed to find their way into the Sweet 16. Yeah, I think he got victimized quite a bit by the how this bracket was set up, unfortunately for him. Uh, but uh, just all in all, talking about vibes, gonna have to go with Suzuki. Just fantastic vibes. So excited about him. We've talked about him all season. And just the fact that he's under, he's, he's, he's ours forever, uh, or at least for the next five years. And so uh, let's go. Nick Suzuki, a pretty significant upset over, you know, he's been, Brendan Gallagher, who's been here for like ever. I think he's nine years with the team already. He, we, we drafted him uh, all, all the way back then. So uh, yeah, Suzuki, uh, pretty big upset. Sorry, Gallagher. Uh, moving on, uh, we have a couple of defensemen, kind of. Uh, o- Present versus future kind of thing, although probably not nearly as close as Gallagher Suzuki. We've got Alex Romanov against Shea Weber. Yo, you wait, 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 wait. Uh, for me, I think this this is incredibly difficult. You you have you think it'll be easy? You're picking Shea Weber. Yeah. Oh man, wow, that that's easy for you. I uh, I was torn. Uh, to be totally honest, because Shea Weber for me, of course, is the the number one defenseman, the captain. But he still he comes with a little bit of that, you know, the PK Subban trade 
and that that massive contract, bad vibe a little bit from that point of view. Whereas Romanov uh, is to me one of the the big you know the big signs of the future, the great things to come, or at least the the promise of the future sort of thing. So I was a little bit more torn about it from that point of view, feeling a little more 50-50. But if you're so so dead set on Shea Weber, then I guess that's what we'll be going with. Yeah, I just feel like Weber, I mean, he's so crucial to the team right now. You see what happens when this guy goes out, the team goes on a slide immediately. And it's just that Romanov, he's great, very excited about him as well. But he's just not the caliber of, say, Suzuki, because he just hasn't played in the NHL yet. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, I expect him by all accounts to be fantastic, but still, he hasn't played anything in NHL yet. So until he does anything, I mean, I I, I suspect next year if we do this bracket again, if Romanov really breaks out, uh, well, I'll, I would have put Romanov ahead of Weber. But it's just the fact of the matter is that uh, he hasn't done anything in the NHL yet. Meanwhile, Shea Weber is the captain of the team. He's under contract for better or for worse for a long time from here on out. And so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be taking Weber on this one. I did pretty easily, actually. All right. Uh, so let's show whoever wins that one. Moves on to the Sweet 16. Next up, we've got Hayden Verbeek up against Paul Byron. Uh, Hayden Verbeek, who likely didn't even be deserve, uh, li- likely didn't even deserve to be in this round. Just came up with a pretty favorable matchup against Andrew Sturtz. So I think Paul Byron wins this one. Another layup. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, moving on. Now uh, we got a third overall. We got a couple of first first round picks. Of the Habs going up against each other, Kakaniemi against Yulsen. Uh, I'll probably be taking Kakaniemi just based on the fact that uh, great buys from this guy. Yep, Yusperi Kakaniemi. Uh, he'll win that matchup as well. Uh, now into the bottom right corner of the bracket, we've got Charles Udon, the one seed, up against Thomas Tatar. And I think that we'll be going with Thomas Tatar on this one. Am I right? Absolutely. Uh, easy, easy matchup there. Uh, next one, we got a couple of prospects, both pretty promising, although I suspect one of them is much more uh, promising than the other. We got Cole Caulfield against Matthias Norlander. Uh, I think we'll both be taking the first rounder. Yep, Cole Caulfield uh, onto the Sweet 16. Um, good for him. Uh, sorry, Matthias Norlander. You ran into a, a an elite goal scorer who hopefully within the next couple of years you'll be able to set up on the power play for some for some nice goals in the NHL. Uh, all right, now moving on down, Joseph Blandisi against Philip Dano. Uh, I think it's Philip Dano. Yep, absolutely. All right, and for the last matchup of the the top thirty two is seven seed Jesse Ilonen along with two seed Jeff Petrie. Uh, Elanen, very promising, but I'm going to go with Jeff Petrie, the fantastic second pair right shot defenseman. Uh, Minute Muncher, who who knows, maybe they'll even be extending uh, for a couple of years more. I'm going to go with Jeff Petrie. Yeah, he's just so important to the team. How can you how can you lose to Jesse Elanen? Uh, not possible. On to the next round, I think it's a Sweet 16, as you mentioned. Uh, we have, top left again, we have Price against Drouet. Uh, I think I'll take Price on this one just because uh, Drew has been a tiny bit of a disappointment. He has been everything that he was built up to in that trade. Yep. Uh, well, uh, the, I'm going to be picking Carey Price as well. It does seem like we are starting to get into the, the nitty-gritty of NHL players and along with uh, promising prospects. We're really getting into the, the cream of the crop here, or at least we're starting to. So Carey Price moves on to the Elite Eight, as they call it in, in March Madness, or for this case, March Habness, uh, good for Carey Price. Uh, good, uh, sorry, sorry, Jonathan Drouin. Uh, next up, we have who, who do we have here? We have Ben Chirot 
up against Max Domi. Very, very interesting. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about this matchup? Oh, I am so torn. I mean, is this the round where Max Domi's bad vibes finally catch up to him? I don't know, man. It's just, I I mean, talent-wise, you have to pick Domi. But then again, like, Sherratt, I, I mean, he's scored a bunch of overtime winners this year. And they all got me all hyped up. A bunch of game winners from Ben Sherratt. Eggs Benny, great nickname. Uh, ah, frick. I don't know. I'm torn. I, I want to hear Which what one? you have to say first. All right. Uh, I am leaning a little bit towards Ben Sherratt for a couple reasons. Uh, and not necessarily just all the, the Domi bad vibes, all right? Because Max Domi, first of all, he did have that 28-goal season his first year with the Canadians. I had him on my all-decade team. He led the team in scoring. This year, uh, he went through several extended goal-scoring slumps. Kind of made it seem like that season before, the 18-19 season, was a bit of an anomaly. Ben Sherratt, first of all, we do have those overtime winners, like you mentioned, uh, which, you know, clutch goal scorer, you got to love. But also something I didn't remember, uh, Eggs Benny, actually, as you mentioned, the name of our third episode is actually at one point was, I believe our most listened to episode of all time. And, uh, I assume still would be. So for, for that reason alone, I think I'm going to have to go with Ben Sherrod on this matchup. Yeah. I got to respect the fact that he brought us all those listens. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, you've talked me into it. Absolutely. Uh, sorry, Max Domi, but, uh, your prolonged goal droughts have cost you uh, a trip to the elite eight. Uh, next wow. up we have, a couple of uh, youngsters, relative youngsters. Uh, Arturi Lekkonen against Victor Mete. Who do you got? Okay, yeah, this is the part of the bracket where it starts to get kind of challenging. We were kind of running through the, the first 64, the first 32. Lekkonen, man, I don't know. because uh, Victor Mete, man, defenseman, got to think left shot, went so long without scoring a goal and finally did. Arturi Lekkonen, you got that whole... Uh, you know, defensive stalwart thing, does all the little things, coach's dream. Uh, everyone was, Mark Dumont, I think, was going around on uh, talking talking about how underrated Arturi Lekkonen was. Uh, so so I don't really know who to pick. I don't know, are you leaning in some, in either direction? I, I think I'm leaning towards Victor Mete. I mean, I love Arturi Lekkonen as well. Uh, probably a pretty underrated one seed. I mean, this guy's been here forever. Uh, but he's only 24 years old. Uh, I mean, there's just, I think the ceiling does it for me and just the importance on the team, uh, just, you know, organizationally. I mean, like, Lekkonen is a forward. I mean, he's, yeah, sure, he's important to the team, but, you know, middle six guy. Uh, meanwhile, Victor Mete, he has, he's already been a very important part of this defense core, which has been pretty thin. And for years to come, I mean, this guy can be a top four, even maybe a compliment as a top pair guy. Uh, so just based on that, I think I'm leading Mete, but I love both of these guys. They're great for the team. All right. Uh, so since you're leading that way, I think that, that we can go with that one. Victor Mete moves on to the Elite Eight, upsetting the one-seed Arturi Lekkonen, uh, joining joining Carey Price and Ben Sherrod in the Elite Eight. We'll see who is the next player to join them. We have Caden Primo up against Yoel Armia, another very difficult matchup. Ooh, this is getting hard, man. Yeah, it's really... Okay, yeah, this one's tough. Uh, I mean... I don't know. I mean, first of all, Primo, I mean, he's a fantastic prospect. Just the fact that he's a seventh-round pick and he's made it this far, the hype surrounding for a seventh-round pick from a couple years back uh, is just fantastic. you got to love that. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, he obviously, he, he looked great when he made it to the NHL, but goalies are unpredictable. Meanwhile, Armia, 
He's under Team Control for a long time. We absolutely sniped him from the Jets in that fantastic trade for Steve Mason uh, in that cap dump. And I just love Armia as a player in the NHL. Very, consi- very consistent, penalty killer, two-way forward, all that. So given those things, just the fact that Armia is just so much more established in the NHL, I think I'm leaning towards him on this one. I'm leaning a little bit towards Caden Primo, actually. Might be a little bit of a disagreement because, like, I know Armia is very good and we we have a very good idea of what he is, but doesn't the the possibility that Caden Primo could turn out to be, like, an all-star goalie, doesn't that kind of intrigue you a little bit and maybe give him the edge? I don't know. The thing with goaltending, though, is just, like, the position is very in doubt for this team because it's just that Price is under contract for such a long time. So, like, under what circumstance do you see Primo becoming, you know, the number one starter, bona fide starter there? Yeah, well, I don't, you never, well, it's not necessarily, not that I necessarily see the pathway for him to, ha- for it to happen for him, but just the possibility that he could reach that potential is more, more I'm talking about. I don't know. I feel like, like, uh, like maybe we're having a little bit of trouble with this one. So do you want to maybe move on to the right side and maybe come back to that one at the end? All right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, oh, wow. And then we got hit by another train wreck uh, of a matchup because oh, come it's on. so difficult. Uh, we have Suzuki Weber, uh, top right. Just given the potential, I think I'm, I'm leading Suzuki on this one. Yeah, for the same reasons that I was uh, contemplating putting Romanov over Weber at one point is the same reason that I'm going to have to put Suzuki over Weber right here, which is really weird to say that Shea Weber won't be in the Elite Eight considering, you know, number one defenseman and captain. But Nick Suzuki, we're both such big fans of him. And, uh, I mean, if you put Suzuki over Gallagher like we did, then I feel like we're going to – then Suzuki belongs to be put over over Shea Weber as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that, that, that actually took shorter than I thought it would. Uh, so moving on down, uh, we got Paul Byron. And Jesperi Kokaniemi, this one, underratedly tough matchup. Very, very interesting matchup here. Paul Byron has been with the team uh, for, for longer than you'd think, actually. I think October 2015 was when they claimed him off waivers from the, Cal- the Calgary Flames. Uh, and he has been great ever since. One of the, honestly, some would say one of, maybe one of the greatest waiver claims of all time for any team in the NHL, or at least in recent memory. Uh, Jesperi Kokaniemi, though. Third overall pick. Uh, obviously, he comes with that the baggage that we had several other players we were favoring over Kakanyemi. Philip Zanina, notably at the time, and now in hindsight, Brady Kachuk and Quinn Hughes. So he does come with that baggage a little bit. But I mean, the the ceiling is still there to the high ceiling. So I, I'm not really exactly sure who to pick. Uh, with the the youth factor, I was obviously is in Kakanyemi's favor here. Um, you see, obviously, all those charts of like the players, like the star players, like Pasternak and Drysidel, who struggled as teenagers, like Kakanyemi has, and then of course exploded. Those players might perhaps be anomalies, but Kakanyemi was a very high draft pick. Paul Byron, he has been injured for most of the year, uh, has been um, has been perhaps underachieving in the time that he was healthy. Uh, it's a little bit harder. Than you'd think because I don't know, I'm kind of being torn in both directions, but Kakanyemi, I feel like, has to get the, the edge here. Yeah, I, I'd agree. It's very tight, as you said. Uh, I mean, Paul Byron, what, I mean, what a waiver claim, frankly. I mean, like, it came out of nowhere. But uh, Kakanyemi, I mean, it's just, I think we're favoring in this bracket a lot of the youth just based on the fact that the Habs are not contenders. They're 
they're not a playoff team. So I think we're placing a lot of importance in this in this team's youth movement. And so with that in mind, and Paul Byron's already 30 years old. Uh, love Byron, but I think I'm going to have to go with that. I mean, he was a third overall pick. How can you not pick Kakaniyev at this point? Yeah. Oh, the next matchup is uh, is impossible. It's just impossible. Thomas Tatar, who I would say might be uh, my personal favorite player on the team right now, or at least very close to the top, again, up against Cole Caulfield. Has never played an NHL game, but he's already. I love him so much that he's in. He's in my Twitter name right now, not my app, but my username. Uh, that's how much I love Cole Caulfield already. How excited I was when they drafted him. That great moment I've explained before on this podcast that I'll never forget. So I am totally torn between these players. It's a travesty that that one of them won't be making the top eight. What are you feeling? Well, yeah, I mean, this kind of matchup is just so hard to pick. Love both of these guys. Tatar absolutely fleeced the team that I despise in the Vegas Golden Knights. So you got to love that. Uh, he's done so much. He's such a consistent goal scorer. This guy, he's our leading scorer for crying out loud. How can he not make the Elite Eight? But on the other hand, you have Cole Caulfield. Uh, I mean, we both absolutely love the guy. So hyped when he got picked. We got him at 15th overall. Uh, just so much promise in this guy. I, I really don't know. I mean, Tatar's only under contract for one more year, but he's just, he's so good. He's such an established He's a first-time player, you know? Like, no doubt, this guy scores goals all the time. I don't know. I don't know. I just have no yeah. idea. Oh, I have no idea either, man. He, he is only under contract for one more year, though, and that's the thing that, that kind of makes me lean away from him a little bit and a little bit more toward Caulfield, the fact that that future is really up in the air. If I don't know if he's going to want to stick around with the Canadian side and extension or if Bergevin will come to his senses maybe over the summer and get a big haul for, for trading him. But I don't know if we would be counting that towards importance to the future. I don't think we would be because it, it wouldn't be Tatar. It would be the return for Tatar. But, man, he's – oh, man. You know, I'm going back and forth a little bit, but I feel like if I, I don't pick Cole Caulfield, then, then I might be kicking myself a little bit. But oh man, oh no! I say it out, say it out loud, and then all of a sudden, I I feel like I want to change my mind again and go with Thomas Tatar. Uh, I I have no idea what to do. Do you want to move on from this one also, and then come back okay. to it at the end? Sounds okay. good to me. All right. So moving on, right. uh, the, the yeah. So the the last uh, or the third to last because we still have to go back to those other two matchups. But uh, we have the No and Petrie. Uh, I think I'll, I think this is significantly easier. I think I'm taking Petrie on this one. Just the fact that he's a minute munching dude. Start on the back, would, fair, would, in the back pair there. I'm leaning towards Jeff Petrie too, but not. No, I don't think it's necessarily a layup like you make it out to be. Phil Dano is a, a fantastic two-way center. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Petrie, of course, a very underrated defenseman in the NHL. Uh, that, that two seed will be defeating that three seed to move on to the Elite Eight. All right, so we yeah. move on back. We move on back to Caden Primo versus Yoel Armia. And uh, do you have uh, still the, the same thoughts as, as you're having before? Yeah, the more I think about it, I mean, the stronger I feel about Yuval Armia. It's just like this guy is so consistent. I, I, I just, he's fantastic on the, in the middle six. And Caden Primo, he's a great prospect, but I don't know what's going on. Like, the goaltending position is so unpredictable that uh, I don't know. I just, I, I still think uh, Armia. What about you? Yeah, uh, I think the more t- the more time passed, I think uh, the more I've started to lean towards uh, Armia a little bit more. So, well, so you have won that that battle of the weight. Uh, Yol Armia will be moving on to the elite eight. Now back to uh, 
Tatar and Cole Caulfield. Uh, let, let's try to think about like what kind of thought process we can go through here. What, what, what are you thinking? Well, if we talk, maybe if we consider the angle as to who has the bigger potential to contribute to bringing a Stanley Cup to Montreal. That is, in that case, I think I would lean towards Caulfield just based on the fact that I doubt Tatar, like, even if we re-sign him, how great is he going to be? But, like, you know, I say it, and it, like, it kind of sucks saying it because, like, he's so good right now that I don't know how far he's going to fall off. I don't think he's going to fall off with time that much. But it's just that Caulfield's ceiling is so high, and I feel like if we do win a Stanley Cup, I, I mean, I know I'm, like, really freaking pushing it at this point. But, like, I think Caulfield will probably be a huge contributor at that point. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm leaning more Caulfield now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you know, as soon as you brought Stanley Cup into the equation, uh, I was on board. Uh, it it hurts me so much to to eliminate Thomas Tatar at this point, but I think uh, I would have to go with Cole Caulfield too. So, so are we in agreement? Yes. Okay, we made a decision. Cole Caulfield right. on to the Elite Eight. Very difficult oh decision. Boy. Now we're on to the Elite. Who will make it to the Final Four, Frozen Four, whatever you want to call it? Let's start in the top left. Uh, Carey Price. Against Eggs Benny, who do you got? I got Carey Price. Uh, sorry, Eggs Benny. Uh, we love you for the the traction you brought to our our little show and for all those overtime goals. But I mean, it's it's Carey Price. He's the the staple of the Canadians, the face of the franchise, has been for for such a long time. Uh, Carey Price is uh, going to the final four. Yeah, nice little run Sherrod had in our bracket there, but uh, I don't think there's a doubt in anybody's mind that Carey Price is integral to this team. It, the team goes up and down based on how he performs at this point, based on how it's constructed. So, uh, yeah, no doubt. Carey Price. Uh, next up, we have Victor... Or wait, no. Uh, who, is it Victor Mete that we have uh, against... Yeah, yeah. Yoel Ar- yeah, Victor Mete against Yoel Armia. Uh, yeah, this one's interesting. This one's very interesting. Uh, see, so we just had... We just had Mete... Uh, Mete just defeated Arturi Lekkonen. Armia just defeated Caden Primo. Um, so now we've got Mete up against Armia and honestly, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Yoel Armia. I feel like, I feel like Victor Mete kind of, I don't know if his ceiling is as high as you make it out to be. I think it's more of like a a good number four defenseman is probably, uh, what he's going to be is his calling for his career or Yoel Armia. I feel like we still see him. We've seen him improve just over the past couple two seasons with the Canadians, and he's only I think about twenty six years old, and I think he's the kind of player who still has a chance to get better and grow and maybe be like a, a really good second line winger over the next couple of years. Yeah, now that you put it like that, you know, I was I was pretty split on this one. I was maybe leaning towards Mete, but when you put it like that, I think you've thoroughly convinced me that Armia is the right pick here. I didn't know he was. I didn't realize he was so young. I like I mean, twenty six. I thought it was. Like twenty nine or something, but apparently not. Uh, I mean, we put we I I spent all our time arguing for him against Primo. It would be a shame to see him eliminated in the next round. Uh, and I think you've pulled me over to his side. So uh, I think I'm taking our me on this one. I think we're in agreement on that side. Yep. All right. Top right and the the elite eight. We've got Nick Suzuki up against Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Battle of the of the young centers. Uh, I have a feeling that both of us are going to be leaning towards the higher ceiling of Nick Suzuki. Yeah, 
Uh, I agree with you on that one. I mean, Kakaniemi in the AHL, Nick Suzuki in the NHL. Do I need to say anything more? Uh, I don't think so. I think I think we both like Suzuki better at this point. And uh, as you mentioned, the baggage that came with Kakaniemi, we weren't big fans of the pick when it happened. And so, uh, yeah, Suzuki uh, for the win on this one. All right, and now we've got another extremely difficult uh, matchup involving Cole Caulfield. It's Cole Caulfield up against Jeff Petrie. Now, we could possibly, if we wanted to, use the same logic that had us pick Caulfield over Tatar just a couple minutes ago. But on the other hand, I would say that Jeff Petrie is uh, far more important to the team right now than Tatar is. Maybe not far more, but a significant amount more important than Tatar is. So I don't know. I have a, I have a feeling that maybe Cole Caulfield's uh, little run here might be coming to an end. I don't know. It's just, I mean, you talk about Petrie's importance to the team, but if I play the Stanley Cup card again, which I did for Tatar, and you mentioned that like, maybe we can't play that card again, but I think we can because Petrie's 32 years old right now. You know, like uh, a couple of years down the road when the contract's up, he's going to be 33 and then, you know, who knows how important he is, how, how fast he is, or how, you know, how much he regresses at that point due to age. I don't know. I think I might be leaning towards Caulfield in this one just based on the fact that, you know, Petrie is so important to the team right now. But right now is not when they're going to win the Cup. Wow. Wow, you, you've done it again. You've managed to convince me again. Cole Caulfield is, uh, has moved on to the Final Four. Uh, as long as you, you agree with everything that you've said, I, I now agree with it as well. Okay, fantastic. All right, moving on. We have the final four. Uh, interesting kind of contrast here. Uh, left side is more of a veterans uh, in terms of the final four. And the right side, we have a couple of very, very youngsters. Um, so final four on the left side, we have Carey Price against Yoel Armia. I think I'm taking uh, Carey Price on this one. I'm taking Carey Price as well. It feels like it's been a, a very easy path for Carey Price, for the most part, into this uh, this final two, this big matchup. Uh, or or may, it could be that, or it could be because he's just that good and has that great of vibes to, to this team. Uh, yeah, Carey Price, I don't think it's that hard to pick him over, over Armia. Yeah. Uh, so, now on to the... Kind of prospects matchup we have here. I don't know if we'd call Nick Suzuki a prospect anymore. We have uh, him, Nick Suzuki, against Cole Caulfield. Uh, your thoughts? You know, if you play that Stanley Cup card again, then you get to the point where uh, obviously you would picture that both Suzuki and Caulfield would be very key contributors for a Canadian team a couple of years down the road with aspirations of going far in the playoffs. Um, so you have... Uh, so Caulfield doesn't really have that advantage anymore, uh, to go and go along goes along with the fact that Nick Suzuki uh, has already made the NHL and has been a very important player on this team all year. Started out on the wing, a little bit on the fourth line, and when the season ended, uh, well, hopefully it's not over, but it probably is. When the season ended, he was uh, the second line center already, uh, scoring lots of goals, getting lots of points, playing on the penalty kill a little bit as a twenty year old. So uh, I think that Cole Caulfield. Uh, you've gone on a great little Cinderella run here, defeating a couple of very important players, Tatar and Petri, along the way. But I think your run may have come to an end here at the hands of Nick Suzuki, who hopefully you will be playing perhaps on a line with before too long. Yeah, uh, Caulfield, nice run as the 12th seed there. But uh, I think 
I think Caulfield, you're absolutely right. Just that Suzuki has made the team. He probably can't finalist for a Calder if they end up doing. I think they might have canceled the award, but if they don't, they end up doing like a small thing. He's probably maybe he's get definitely gets consideration to be a finalist there, uh, just based on just the sheer amount of production he has in the Ozone. So yeah, all being said, you know, just they both have great futures ahead. As you said, I can't play the Stanley Cup card at this point because I see both of them in the long term future for the Hats, and uh, just based on present. Gonna have to go with Nick Suzuki. So we have our two finalists for our uh, our very long bracket. Uh, we've managed to make it all the way here. And so our two finalists, we have a uh, pretty stark contrast, you know, now versus future. We have Carey Price, noted stud goaltender, uh, against Nick Suzuki. Probably a symbol for the future. You got any thoughts here? I think it's so hard. It might be the hardest one. I mean, it's fitting that it's the finals hardest one. It might be the hardest matchup we have. Yeah, uh, very fitting that this is the hardest one because we love Nick Suzuki so much. And, of course, he's going to be so good, or at least we expect him to be so good for the next 15 years for the Canadiens team. But, of course, that's the the catch is that we expect him to be so good. Before this, uh, before we started this, I kind of had a hunch Nick Suzuki might make it far. Um and of and of course that has come true, uh, especially considering that my hunch would probably be uh, pretty pretty important considering I'm half of the decision making <laughs> panel. <laughs> but but either way, uh, Carey Price, uh, we know how good he is. He's he is how old is he now? Uh, man, 32, and he's going to be 33 by the time next season starts. But I feel like if Caden uh, Primo can be a great backup and provide a lot of relief to Price in the coming seasons. We could potentially see a scenario where Price continues to play elite hockey well into his late 30s, uh, kind of like Martin Brodeur did. Uh, and he helped the Devils reach the finals back in 2012 at the age of, I think he was like 41 years old, that we could hopefully see a similar similar trajectory with Carey Price. And of course, he's been, as I've said, the face of the franchise for so long that... Uh, I think I might have to to lean ever so slightly towards Carey Price in this final matchup. Yeah, I think despite his... I think we can agree that at this point that contract is not friendly to this team at all. It might screw them cap-wise. We'll see. But he's just... It's Carey Price. He's a superstar. He's probably going to... He's almost definitely going to get his number retired uh, when it's all said and done. This guy has been with the team his entire career. Drafted him, what, fifth overall all the way back in that Crosby draft. I mean, look, it just he's become synonymous with the Habs. If you think about it this way, if the Habs without Nick Suzuki would be very unfortunate, but it wouldn't be screwed. The Habs without Carey Price at this point would be absolutely screwed because, I mean, I have no idea what they would do at that point because they wouldn't have a goalie. And so just importance on the team, I mean, I think we... The whole city has an attachment with this guy. Just Jesus, he's been on the team forever. He's been fantastic. He had that great season where he won the heart, the Vesna, everything it seemed. And yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the only variable is how well can the Habs manage his workload, which is a huge gripe we've had, but that's not really up to him. I mean, he's always going to play as many games as he can, I think. And so, yeah, very tough decision. But I think we have found our winner for our bracket. All, between all the 64 players in this organization that we included, I think Carey Price might be the winner here. Carey Price uh, has been crowned the champion 
of March Habness. Congratulations to him. Uh, this was a, I would say this was a pretty fun activity. I don't know. Uh, it's fun to make these seedings too. The, 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 by tenure, you could even, uh, in theory, do it for every other team. It might be a lot of fun. I don't think we're going to be running through any other teams, uh, March Madness type brackets on this podcast, but if anyone wants to, then, then they could on their own time. Uh, I hope the, uh, yeah, the coming up next the fun, week, yeah, no. Yeah, coming up I next the fun... week, we'll be doing the Detroit Red Wings. Um, you know, oh. everybody's favorite team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope the fun came across over uh, over the, you know, audio. Um, because I think we had a pretty good time. And obviously, there isn't that much hockey stuff to talk about. Actually, on Sportsnet last night, they did show a couple Habs games. They showed the uh, 1993 Stanley Cup Final. Uh, game two, Habs Kings. Uh, I didn't really watch it very much, but it was on, and it was followed by the Habs Bruins game seven from 2011, which the Bruins won, four uh, three in overtime. So painful memories a little bit. Also on uh, on Sportsnet West, they showed like they were showing the Vancouver Chicago game seven from 2011, but apparently people were getting upset because like they they were showing like a YouTube video of bad quality from like an American feed that skipped that skipped over like Alex Burrow's third period penalty shot and like some amazing save Luongo made on Patrick Sharp. They just like skipped over some important moments in the game. So people were like, what what what, what are you doing, Sportsnet? Yeah. So uh, I think uh, questionable content uh, all around from sports. I think we're all everybody in the sports world, media world is. Uh, looking for stuff to do. I don't know if I think, I think sketchy YouTube videos from the United States, probably a new low for Sportsnet. but uh, I mean, everybody's trying to make do in this great time of struggle and quarantine. Uh, So yeah, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, thank you very much. Uh, And if you have any ideas for what we could do in the future weeks, we're open to basically anything at this point, because it looks like it's going to be a very long off season. Uh, and so, yeah, tell your friends about the podcast. If they're bored, you know, looking for a recommendation, hit them up with this podcast, subscribe, like stuff, leave comments. <laughs> Thank you very yep. much. Maybe in the coming weeks, we'll be able to, to do that, uh, that Buffalo Sabres in-depth thing that we had talked about a little bit, uh, looking into, uh, the, what is it? Nine years or maybe 10 years. No, not 10. Nine years in a row they missed the playoffs and how it got to be so bad. Maybe, maybe that'll be for, for next week. Don't want to make any promises, but, uh, but that's a possibility. This episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sanborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sanborn's Boys today.